Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. If you had your Bible with you, and if you had turned to the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and begin with the first verse, you will find these words so recorded. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, pioneer and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and have you forgotten the exhortation which addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor lose courage when you are punished by him. For the Lord disciplines him whom he loves, and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, you have earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respect them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they discipline us for a short time at their pleasure, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, Later it yields the peaceful fruits of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Lord, help us to understand what we're reading this morning and especially that part where it says that the Lord Jesus Christ is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. The pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Well, it looks like to me that you came through Christmas without too much trouble. I'm not quite sure we're here in greater numbers this morning, but I believe that there's more of us here. I think that we have lunched up on all of these goodies, and I know that, uh, as one said this morning in the hall, what it took him a year to lose, he gained it back in a week. And so I can appreciate that, I'm sure, as well as you can. Now we come to this time of the Christian year, and we think about the close of an old year and the beginning of a new one. And it is a sincere desire on the part of each one of us that we do wish for one another a very happy new year, one that is filled with meaning. And this is the sincere desire of each of our hearts. And not only do we wish this for other people and other folk that we love and hold dear to our heart, uh, but I suppose that if you would uh, go into the midst of our heart and see the real desire that is really there, that you would find this desire in each one of our hearts. And that's well and that's the way it ought to be. 
a desire born there of the spirit that dwells there to be able to have a new year uh, that to say the least will be meaningful uh, but how many of us come to this place today and still have hope or have we reached this place today where as many that we have lost hope and what we looked for this past year we did not find and so confused bewildered and frustrated uh, by the society and life uh, that, that we are called to live uh, that we wonder if the new year is going to be any different uh, than uh, the old year and dear friends that's tragic if we come to that type of thinking and come to a place where we lose hope it could well be that we have searched in the wrong place for the real uh, true gems of life uh, we have looked in bigger homes and maybe more money or position and education and thinking that this will give to us that to which we really want. Now, dear friends, I'm not talking against any of these. They are wonderful, and they do have a part and place to make a contribution to your life and to my life. But when we come to the place where we think fame and fortune is going to give to us uh, that which we need for these souls of ours to stay alive, you have missed the mark 10,000 miles. It is not to be found there. Where can we look? Why is it that we look in these God-forsaken places for those things that we need for these souls of ours to live when the generation before us have looked there and have not found them? We need to come to this place to decide really where we can search to find life that would be meaningful and would give us those experiences deep within our heart and our soul that you and I are looking for. Well, dear friends, I do not have to guess. It may have been one time within my life as a very young preacher, and that hasn't been too many years ago, uh, that I might have been just mouthing words. Uh, but time has had its way, and the years have piled up, and, and now I know what I know that I know, and I know where it is to be found. And any of you that have of the heart and mind would like to a look at the place where life can truly be found in all of its greatness and in all of its glory, regardless of what the outside situation may seem or look like, I beg of you to lend me your ears this morning and you to listen to what is being said because I looked again at the scripture that I read to you this morning. Some things about it that is astounding and amazing to me. And I'm not quite sure that I really understand the fullness of it, even after giving some thought to it. And that is where the writer is talking about the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and where he found the joy and the meaning of life and turned in to be the, as the writer says, the, the pioneer, the one who goes on before, the pioneer. And not only just the pioneer, the one who has gone on before us, but the perfecter of our faith, the one who gives to it its meaning in detail the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And, and when the writer looks at the situation, he said of Jesus that Jesus was able to take all that this world had to offer, even all of the heated hostility of man to be nailed alive to a cross. And I can see this man now, this, this writer, whoever he was, I can see as he is contemplating and thinking about this act on the part of Jesus, he comes up, there must be a reason for it. And the reason Jesus was able to do what he was able to do and be the pioneer and perfecter of your faith and mine and lay the groundwork for you and me to have access to the kingdom of God 
He said it was because, listen to this, it's because of the great joy that God had designed for him. Now you know, dear friends, let me say to you that not a one of you here this morning, there's no creation of God and you are his highest creation that God called into existence to disappoint you with life. No, no, no. I, I can't believe that. God did not intend it for you to be disappointed. If we have a disappointment within life, doesn't measure up in the fulfillment, it must be on our part, not God's. Oh, not God's. If we fail, it's not because God has failed us. Listen to this man. Jesus Christ, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Well, now, if I'm going to look for this and I'm going to find it, where am I going to look? If I'm not supposed to look out here somewhere, well, where am I to look for this? Well, I'll tell you the first place and real quickly, you look within the church. Now you expected me to say that, didn't you? Now you're not going to pay a bit of attention to whatever else I say because you expected me to say that. It is within the church. Waiting and attendance upon the worship of God. There's where it comes home. Oh, I know what some are saying about the church today. They've been saying it for quite a while. The church is under a dreadful siege today. And it has been for several years now. And they say that the church is something that belongs to the past, that it hasn't any real meaning and real purpose within our life uh, today. It doesn't have anything really to say to this modern technological society that you and I live in. And it's something that is sort of on the outer edges. It's something sort of a, a nostalgic type of thing to be a part of or to think about. But really to be on the cutting edge of things that prepare you to be out there where things really take place. The church really doesn't have anything to say. Now that's deadly. Oh, that's deadly. Even to believe one part of it. I remember we had uh, a mouse at a parsonage. And he was a cute little critter, but we needed to get rid of him. And so I got some decon. And I am quite sure when I put that poison decon grains out for him to lunch up on, that he thought he had found a Christmas meal. And I am quite sure he gleefully ate those grains. But he was not wise enough to know that every one of those grains that he ate, that he was that much closer to death. Deadly poison that he took into his system and now he's no more. Oh, that's the way we are when we come to the place where you think that you can do without the church. When you think that here's a place. Why is it when we get so busy in life, the first place we want to cut is the church and that's the most deadly place to cut that you possibly can cut. It is the one place within our society where it is rehearsed within my ear daily that I am a creation of God and that uh, God loves me. It is the one place within our society where I am reminded that somewhere someplace out here in time uh, that I am going to stand with my creator to be judged. It is the one place that reminds me that I have a destiny that starts here but is not of this earth. And somewhere out here in the future that I am going to rendezvous with God. No other place in our society or in our community tells you about these most important things. And for you to go weak without being conscious of that, my friend, I do not see how you can have any quality of life. 
if we find the fullness of life as God intended for us to, uh, we're going to have to do another thing too. We're going to have to depend on something more than just our feelings to tell us what the situation really is. It is very hard for a generation that has been raised on a half-truth now to understand what I'm trying to talk about. But to do right through duty is better than not to do right at all. And we seem to have lost that thought somewhere, someplace. Oh, it's wonderful to do what must be done and take care of your responsibilities and duties uh, when it uh, goes along with your feeling good about it. Oh, it's wonderful to clean the house and clean up after Christmas and all that mess if you like to do it. But how many of you like to do it? <laughs> no, I like to mess it up, but not to clean it up. And those of you who are in college, how many of you really enjoy doing a term paper? Or in school, your homework? And you can add to this list all the other things that you do, not necessarily because you like it, but because this is a responsibility that you have and being a person of integrity and a maturity you follow through and you do what you're supposed to do. Now it's a wonderful thing too. In the same way within the church when it comes to a place of where your responsibility lines up with your feeling or put it the other way around where your feeling lines up with what you know you ought to do. And I was wonderful this morning because every one of you got up and you wanted to come to church this morning. That was the way you felt. You didn't want to sleep over. You didn't want to go see grandma. You didn't want to play with your toys. You just wanted to come to church. Now, isn't that wonderful? But what do you do on those mornings uh, when you have other things that you would rather do? Uh, when you would rather stay home or you'd rather visit or you have 10,000 things that you would rather do than to come to church? Now you got a problem. Let me express it to you this way. I saw one of my young friends and a very, a very talented young man not too long ago, and I asked him about his churchmanship because he was such a faithful person in church when I had the privilege of being his minister. But then he was younger, and now he's about ready to graduate from college. And he says, well... He says, tell you the truth, preacher. He says, I don't go to church anymore. Every once in a while I go. He says, but I don't feel like going. He says, I go. I don't get anything out of it. It doesn't mean anything to me. He said, I just don't feel like going, and so I don't go. And I said to him, I said, do you feel like paying your rent when it's due? And what about those term papers? Do you feel like doing those term papers? What about your work? Do you feel like going to work all the time? You see, he reminded me, he told me, he said, well, if I go to church and I don't feel like it, he says, I'm a hypocrite, you know. I said, are you a hypocrite because uh, you pay your rent? And you do your turn paper? And you wash the dishes? You clean the house? You feel like a hypocrite because you don't like to do it? Well, where did we ever come to the place? Have we have thought that our religion depends upon the ways that you and I feel? Where did we ever come by this erroneous concept of a commitment and a dedication to God that we only do it because we feel like it? Jesus didn't feel like dying on the cross, but he did. The pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And that's what he, this writer is talking about. It's not something that Jesus wanted to do in a sense. He suffered 
but it's something that he did because he was committed to God. Oh, dear friends, let me say to you, it really doesn't matter. Oh, I'd hope for you that you feel wonderful this morning. But at the deepest level of your soul, it really doesn't make any difference how you feel this morning as far as your salvation is concerned. Regardless of how you feel, Jesus came, Jesus died, and he made it possible for each one of us to have access to the kingdom of God, and I don't care how you feel this morning. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not a matter of feeling. Oh, it's wonderful when my feeling lines up with my knowledge. You see... I discovered the great... No, I didn't. Someone told me. I wasn't smart enough to know it. But I remember the bell was set off in my mind when my old professor out here at the seminary said to me, he said, you know, he says your feelings will always follow your mind. Well, I've lived long enough to know that's a fact. It's not the other way around. You have a mind to think with you're not an animal. They are signed and sealed to feeling, but you're not. You live by commitment and a dedication uh, that you make, whatever it is made to. And it is here within the church uh, that I am reminded uh, that to God I owe a debt. And that debt is to be paid and that commitment is to be discharged to him independently of how I might feel. Now, when I know that, and when I believe that, and when I make that part of my life, dear friends, I tell you, be careful. You're close to discovering something that is absolutely fantastic. Now, second step. Now you've got to take part. You can be in the right place, but that is not the same as saying that you're going to find it. You've got to take part in what goes on. Oh, let me say to those of you who come... Uh, no one here, though I don't have to say that. That's the people not here this morning, the inspector. They're, they're not here. We, we all we want to take part. We want to be a part of it. We accept the responsibility for it. We do not come. We did not come this morning to be a judge. You know, the reason that we don't find what we're looking for within the church is because we come to either to be a spectator or even worse, to be a judge. And we judge a service by whether it is all right or not, whether it is more soothing than irritating. If it's sort of irritating and says something that upset us, well, uh, then that didn't go too well and that wasn't a good worship service. We use a secular standard to judge a divine relationship and a worship with. We judge a service if the minister is able to speak uh, properly or has something that we might be interested in to say or whether the choir is able to do their thing or whether the soloist is right and the organist. We judge a service. Everything seems to fit together in a reasonable way. We say, well, it might be a good service. Again, I was talking to a young person, and oh, how they shocked me with their wisdom and their honesty sometime. I covet everything that the best that we can extend to God. I covet that for the church, whether it be talent or whatever it be, or whether it be an instrument, the best that we can afford. I covet that for my church, but it's like a young person said to me, you know, you can have everything, it can be just perfect. The choir can do a, a beautiful thing, and the soloist just does a beautiful uh, thing, and, and everything is just beautiful. But unless my soul meets God, it is only a show. It is only a show. Only a show. We are here, we worship in a certain way, because we have found that this is the way where these souls of ours can make contact with God. And I do not care how beautiful the service is, 
But if you're one that goes away from here this morning without any public commitment, dedication, and understanding about your relationship with God and your kingdom in life, as this person said, it's just a lot of history. And so it is. And so it is. I've got to accept the responsibility for my church and for my own heart and, and my own soul. I cannot leave it up to the ushers and uh, to the choir and to, uh, to all these other places, people to do, the, to do it for me. Now they can help me, they can encourage me, and they can put me in a situation where that I may be in tune or perfectly in tune with God, but, but they cannot pray for me, and they cannot confess my sin, and they cannot make a commitment, and they cannot further dedicate to my soul surprise. They can do it wrong, but they, they can do it for me. It cannot be done. Every man on this earth needs to stand before God and accept the responsibility for standing before God. You see, behind this facade of paint and smart dress and, and smile and, and an air of, uh, of contentment, and, and there's a soul in this body somewhere. And it crouches and tears and frightened and it's listening to mixed voices as it calls to it and, and having the wisdom to understand what tomorrow night might bring. But this soul that is here in this body is smart enough to know that there's one and one alone that he needs to make contact with. And that is his master. And when his master calls, everything is put right again. And when he hears his master speak, regardless of what the, the situation might be, the weather and the action out here on life, the outer fringes, at the very pit of his soul, when he hears his master speak, he is at ease. He is at ease, regardless of what the pain and the agony might be. Did you notice within the scriptures when it talks about the Lord Jesus Christ when he's going through his trials and tribulations the worst places that he had to face? You know who spoke to him? God spoke to him. Made everything right. There's no different here. There's no different. Oh, in the most difficult, most hard, the cruelest situation that I've ever been in with another human being. To be with them when they knew that their master, soul knew that their master was speaking, put everything back in its proper place. Okay, let it be. Oh, let it be. Let it be, Lord. Let it be. In the last place, one third thing that we need to do, not only be in church, but take part, but we need to be aware of our fellow man. Now we need to be aware of one another. Dear friends, let me say to you, be aware of the person who sits beside you, who stands beside you, who works beside you, that you come in contact. It is a church that calls this to my attention. It is so necessary for me to have a happy new year to be conscious of this. I come before God with my loved ones and my friends. But there's another one. You see, my enemies, if I have any, an unvoiced thing, but it's still the same that you and I know that even my enemies must come with me to the altar in my own heart and my own soul. Oh yes, here's where it says. Come here to the altar in spirit, in my own mind, in my own heart, so that at this place they become 
a lesser enemy and become more of a friend, especially in my own heart. You see, I cannot come before God and to have what he wants me to have, the fullness of life, as long as I shut out my enemies out of my life. No, they may not want to walk in harmony with me, but I can clear within my heart in such a way that I would walk in harmony with them if they would permit me to do so. Oh, what a difference. You want to discover something that has set your soul afire? Then, within your own heart and your own soul, take care of this matter right here. Lay it on the altar of God or wherever else you want to lay it and give it to Christ and say, this year I will walk in harmony with any person that will permit me to walk with them. I hold nothing against any person regardless of what they have done. And dear friends, that's hard. But Jesus did a hard thing when he died for you and me when we were yet his enemy. It is the church that gives to me the purifying that I need each week. The Apostle Paul spoke about the body of the church as being the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, the church being the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he spoke about the organization of the body. And I would like to think in terms of that you and I are sort of the blood that flows through the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you come here, right to the heart of the thing, and here's what we're purified. And then we're set out to the extremities of the body, wherever we meet, at your office, at the school, where you play, at your home. Wherever you go in this community, there goes the purifying the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. That one has been in touch with the Lord Jesus Christ and takes the influence of the Lord Jesus Christ to every place that one of us happens to be in this community. And then spent and burnt and tired and weary, spiritually we come back to this place to be renewed again, to go out to repeat the performance again, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, until at last we stand before that one that called us to be his helper, to be his witness. And dear friends, when we come to the place where we look at our religion and our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in those practical terms as it really is, I do not care what this year shall bring to us. It'll bring to us great things, bring to us some pain and agony. But whatever it is, whatever it is, if our Heavenly Father has sanctioned it to be so, then let it be so. And then when we come to this place at the close of another year, we will be able to say it was a fantastic year. Oh, our Father, help us to understand what it means to have the Lord Jesus Christ as the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of his words, finishing the work he started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven. 